Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix a sexy Irish accent with a creepy fucking kid while you get the hole in the ground? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Uh, I am back this week with a movie that actually, well, technically it was released in 2018, but for American audiences, it was released in, holy shit, 2019. Actually, a little earlier this year, and I totally missed when it was released. And I have to thank the guys from Beyond the Void Horror Podcast for actually turning me on to this film. I think I mentioned it at the end of the last episode, but honestly, this episode, I do want to point that out. Like, the main reason for me checking it out was actually listening to both Brittany and Alex talk about it. So, if you haven't already, um, you can go ahead and check them out. My suggestion, though, would be to, if you're interested in to hear what they had to say about it, go through my episode first. And this is not because it's my episode and you have to go through me first. Don't go to them. Don't pause this. No, is that I'm going to really go through the film. So, unlike they do, so they do do, like, in-depth, like, spoilers, but it's mostly talking about specific scenes. And I feel that if you haven't listened to that episode already... Going through this will actually give you a better perspective on the film if you haven't seen the film already. I do suggest that you watch the film and say that right up front, but you don't necessarily need to watch it before you watch this. Well, maybe I'll say kind of. 
<laughs> for at least the last like 20 minutes of the film, I would definitely say that you should probably watch that before listening to this film. But that's the last 20 minutes of the film. So then if I say that, <laughs> then you might as well do the whole damn film before you listen to the podcast if you're truly interested in the film. If you're just kind of like, I don't know, I just need to listen to this and kind of figure it out, which I had a lot of people tell me with the Final Girls podcast, they actually used me as the barometer to whether or not they really wanted to watch that film, and they got really interested in seeing the film after they heard the podcast. And that means that I'm actually doing my job right. So I really kind of pride myself on, like, if I do a really good job talking about the podcast, and I get you interested in a movie that I really enjoyed then I'm doing what I'm doing right, right? And if I'm turning you off a little bit, uh, maybe that's good too. <laughs> I don't know. But if it like I really enjoy something and I don't do a good job in making you want to see it as much as I enjoyed watching the film, then I'm not doing my job right. So everybody who contacted me after listening to the last episode telling me that they wanted to see that movie because of me, uh, I really, really appreciate it. Now, with this film... Um, I'm going to say that if you are interested, if you heard about this film before, like I said, then flat out the answer is stop, go watch it, come back, and then listen to this, and then go ahead and listen to the Beyond the Void podcast. Now, if you've seen this before, then maybe I would say actually go check out what Alex and Brittany have to say, and then come back and listen to this pod and check out what I have to say. Or, you know, if you choose to come here first. But if you don't plan on watching, you just want to listen to this and get one man's opinion on it, then come listen to this one, then decide whether or not you want to watch the film, or go over and listen to Alex and Brittany talk about it, and then watch the film. Because you get two different perspectives, technically three, you know, because Alex and Brittany are their own per people, <laughs> and sometimes she doesn't really agree with what Alex has to say, and sometimes I feel like Alex and I, on certain genres of film, really are kind of the same, like in terms of the way that we think, and in terms of the way that we approach a film. And it's one of the reasons why I really love listening to them talk about films. And it's one of those podcasts that, honestly, next to, like, my plethora of podcasts that I have now that I listen to, like, it makes me really, like, happy and I wait for that episode to drop every Monday. Even if I haven't seen the film, and even if I hadn't had a chance to see the film yet, I still end up listening to their podcast because... Honestly, sometimes they see stuff that I really don't have a whole lot of interest in, or I haven't seen in ages, which I guess is something that I also do. So, uh, nonetheless, early plug for Beyond the Void podcast, and a big shout out to both Alex and Brittany for really getting me into, like, seeing this film. Uh, and... I'm actually kind of glad that I did. Now, right now, this is available on Amazon Prime. So if you do have an Amazon Prime subscription, and I know I said that weird, go ahead and watch it. It's available. It's actually a really good running time at an hour and 30 minutes. I think that that's perfect, especially for a movie like this. It doesn't give you enough time to, like, really get into the nitty-gritty. And, like, the scenes where... I feel that it drops off a little bit. They're not like the whole thing. Now, there's two really good things going on for this film. And there's one thing that I really don't like. And with an hour and a half running time, I think it mixes those perfectly. And it turns out to be the film, like how much, you know, or how little I enjoyed the film was actually 
decided by the runtime. I guess I'm trying not to go around it because I'm be like, hey, you fucking love this film. It's the fucking best thing in the world. Or, hey, it's a piece of shit. Or, hey, it's just fucking mediocre. And I haven't gotten to the end of the film. I haven't been talking about it. And here I am just rambling on. Uh, I think I've been listening too much to other podcasts. But um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. I don't know why I'm going on like this. But so... Let's talk about the film uh, a little bit. Now, this, uh, the one thing that I'm going to say right now that might be for some people is that it is an Irish film. Not that that's a bad thing, okay? But that sometimes the accents are a little bit heavy and you might have a little bit hard time understanding. Like, I even felt like in certain scenes I had to kind of go back and put subtitles on or listen to it again just because I'm not used to hearing that all the time. Now, our good friend Richard... Uh, from the Bizarre cast, you know, I can converse with him very, very easily one-on-one. I don't have any problems understanding him, but I'm pretty sure that he's very, you know, it's the reason why he's also a podcaster too, is that when he speaks, you can fucking understand him versus, you know, somebody maybe that's out in the countryside that doesn't really have a voice for podcasting or radio, you can't understand the fucking thing that they have to say. It happens with everything. There's even some fucking people here in the U.S. that, what the fuck did you say? I don't fucking understand you anyway. Where's your fucking subtitles? But <laughs> you don't have the bonus of not having them beneath them when they fucking talk all the time. So for some of you out there, and, and I'm saying this also for me too, there are times where the dialogue was very hard to understand. And raising it up a little bit and trying to clean it, um, you know, it helps some, but you might still run into those issues, okay? Um, this is the closest I can get to a true foreign film, uh, <laughs> because it's in fucking English, and I can fucking understand it and talk about it on this podcast. Um, and we may do some things later on, but that's for another fucking time. So, that's one thing. The other thing is, is that the last like I said earlier, about the last 20 minutes of the film, there's really nothing said. So it's going to be a really big jump between the last time I have something to the next time that I have anything whatsoever. So just know that it's really, if you have the ability to watch it and you say you've listened to everything and you just want to see what the last 20 minutes are really like, go ahead and skip to about an hour and I think it's about an hour and one minute. There's one scene where there's something gets said, but I don't really feel like I should have pulled the audio, so I didn't. Um, and it's just so quick that maybe I could have. I don't know. So, that being said, uh, the film, it had its world premiere in Sundance on January, actually 25th of 2019. So, I may have been wrong, though I think it was completed in 2018. Um, and it was released on March 1st of 2019 uh, for worldwide or wildcast distribution in Ireland and Vertigo releasing in the United Kingdom. And then DirecTV is actually the one that's releasing it here in the U.S. Uh, this film itself, um, there's not a whole lot, you know, that I'd say. The countries is filmed in Belgium, Finland, in Ireland, English, uh, United Kingdom, English, United Kingdom. What the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, and it's... I really don't have, like, numbers in terms of, like, oh, this is what it made, and this is what's going on. Um, you know, it was directed by Lee Cronin uh, from a screenplay by both Cronin and Steven Shields, and it stars, I'm going to totally butcher these names here, uh, Sienna Kerslake, James Cosmo, Katie Outlinen, Simon Kirby, 
and Steve Wall and also James Quinn Markey. So the basic story of this is that, you know, a young woman begins to suspect that her son's disturbing behavior is linked to a mysterious sinkhole. So that's basically it, and we might as well go ahead and get into the meat and the bones, uh, as Alex would say, of the movie. So the beginning of the film, it's very serene, kind of going through the countrysides, and you see that a car is kind of driving away in the distance. And I really like how it is like focusing on it and then it's panning out to the countryside when you get the title card of the movie. But instead of it being like, oh, we're looking out into everything, it's like upside down. So like the world, you're coming from the earth looking out onto the sky and that's where you see the hole in the ground. That kind of gives you a little inkling of what's happening in the story. And that's where we meet our main characters, Sarah and Christ her son, Christopher, and they're speaking about him going to his new school as they're driving to their new rental property out in the country. You know, kind of idle. Not at the moment. But mom. But nothing. Please. I said not at the moment. Maybe next year, okay? Sweetie, I said maybe next year. Stuart Mackin says our jeep looks like something a feed a fall would drive. Who's Stuart Mackin? In my class. Is he your friend? He's an ass face. Hey. Can I say anus face? No. But it's a science word. Mom, look out! So Sarah, she almost runs into an old lady that's standing in the middle of the road. She manages to totally, like, dodge her, destroying a piece of her car at the same time. Basically just knocking off one of her rearview mirrors. I have to get used to the way the film works, but of course they're driving on the wrong side of the road. I mean, the left side of the road. I mean, yeah, they're driving on the fucking wrong side of the road. And, you know, she gets out of the car and she approaches the old lady. And the lady is whispering something weird on her breath. And she just kind of, like... Um, okay, like it's weird. Her husband comes out in the middle of nowhere, grabs her, and takes her off. And then she continues on with her son, Christopher. I really like the kid and the way that he's acting right now. And of course, that would be a smart-ass thing I feel like I would have said when I was younger. Where, like, you say a bad word, and they're like, look, you shouldn't be saying that. And then you say what it should be. It's like when you learn that bitch is dog for the first time and you look at your dog, man, she's such a bitch. And then your parents are like, hey, 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 why the fuck are you talking like that? And you're like, well, that's what she is. She's a fucking bitch. That's what that means, right? Female dog. Okay, you didn't have to add the fucking. Well, I needed emphasis, okay? So after this whole incident with the old lady, they travel back to the house that they're currently renting in the Irish countryside. And we see that Sarah, she's busy scraping the wallpaper off the walls. It's kind of weird if you're renting a place, if you're going to just totally change over the wallpaper that's going up there. But hey, to each his own, maybe that's the way that she's paying for the place. Like she's going to do some house repairs at the same time that she's going to live there. I don't fucking know, but she's doing it with a fucking spatula. Like who the hell tries to remove wallpaper with just a basic spatula? You're barely going to get anything off the walls if you're just fucking chipping at it away. Granted, it's metal and not one of those plastic pieces of shit, but of course the plastic pieces of shit don't mess with the coating that's on your pan, so maybe just get a silicone one, but that's not going to work very well for the walls, so what the fuck are you going to do? I guess you're going to take the metal spatula if that's all you fucking have. And so she's scraping at the walls, 
And Chris, he's basically not eating his dinner. He's sitting there and he's playing with his little Chuck doll or something like that. Like, it looks like some type of G.I. Joe, but we can't necessarily call it G.I. Joe, so it's Chuck. Okay, so Chuck there is beating the shit out of the other little doll that he's playing with. And she's basically telling him, hey, you need to eat your dinner. And that's where they first played this game that they always play with each other. Which is basically they both count down to three. Well, you know, she says one, he says two, she says three. And then they make a funny face at each other. And the first one to laugh means that the other one has to do what the other one says. So, of course, she managed to somehow make Chris laugh with a less funny face than what Chris is doing. Chris is doing this weird kind of like monster type face. Or like, you know, when somebody has a stroke and one side of their face is really, really like slowed down. Like, it looks like it could be a really... Or, you know, the zombies from Dragon's Quest. The way they look, like half their face is drooping down. They're kind of... Like that. That's the kind of face that he's making. I don't know if I described it the best way. But that's what it looks like to me. And all she's doing is going fucking cross-eyed and, like, puffing out her cheeks. And, of course, the kid laughs. And so she says, Mom wins. And, like, it's a fucking Mortal Kombat fatality or some shit like that. And... She forces him to eat the cold-ass fucking spaghetti, which he didn't want to eat and cover with cheese because he doesn't like the powdered fucking cheese because he's spoiled and he wants to have the fucking grated cheese, even though grated Parmesan cheese is probably the best thing that you can have on fucking pasta. So I totally agree with the kid. And what would have happened if the kid actually won and she fucking laughs? And it even sounds like she fucking laughs at this point because she's kind of giggling at the end of it, even though, like, maybe she's the only judge and she's the person that all of a sudden is like, well, I guess I... I win um what <laughs> i guess the kid's not gonna fucking argue with her because he's too young to fucking deal with it and be like no way you fucking cheated you bitch whoa 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 kid watch your fucking language but that's what you are <laughs> okay that <laughs> if that's what she actually is but she's not so anyway she wins the whole argument because mom's always going to win over everybody and, well you know in this situation so he ends up eating the spaghetti. She goes downstairs and she actually finds like a uh, like a spade or something like that. Something that's better for taking off the wallpaper than the fucking spatula that she was using. And, you know, she could have found that earlier instead of just wasting her time with one little patch on the wall and barely getting anything off. So she goes back upstairs because she hears that, you know... Christopher, he's screaming about something, and it happens to be something that he found on the table that he is very much afraid of. You're getting far too big to be scared of them. What if it comes back inside? She won't. How do you know it's a girl? Eight legs and no willy, see? Why don't you just kill it? What'd she ever do to you? Encroached on my personal space. <laughs> it's encroached, and I don't think she did it on purpose. Dad would kill it for me. I'm not sad. Why did we move here without him? It's not that simple, sweet. Why? It's just not, okay? Why? You said he'd be right behind us. You're a liar. So just based upon this scene here, it kind of gives you a, like a little inkling into one of the things that I'm not very fond of in this movie, and that's really the pacing of the dialogue. 
you know, there are films like Unbreakable, for example, where there are giant fucking pauses in between everything. But it's still kind of delivered okay. Here, I feel like everything, when it comes to the dialogue in this movie, is just delivered slow. And I don't know if this is just, like, a regional thing. It's not anything that's, like, terrible or anything like that, but it just really irks me. Like, I feel that these scenes go on for so much longer than they actually do, and it feels like just everything moves at the speed of slow when anything happens in this film. So you're constantly, like, sitting through these scenes where it's a lot slower in the scenes than it actually is. And it's just kind of weird, but... With this scene here, like, you can tell that something's gone on. And that Sarah, she's... It sounds like that she's run away from her husband or her boyfriend. Or at least Chris's baby daddy. You know, so she, he, he did something to them or did something to her. And it's not going to work out. And so here she is with him now in the country escaping whatever is going on with the father. And... The son yet can't cope with it, and she's not being truthful to the son for the reasons that they're out there. So when she lets the spider loose, basically, like, you shouldn't be afraid of this bug, he just fucking stomps on it. And he has this, like, thing where, you know, it's that separation from his father because he doesn't know what's really going on. And it is quite powerful when you're watching the two because of the way that she's looking at him, how far away she is from him. Like, he doesn't want to really get close. One, because he's afraid of the spider, like a certain person that's related to me. And two, that he's also mad at her because he took him away from his father as well. And so, because of this... He just bolts the fuck out of there, and she ends up running after him into the forest. And that's when she comes upon this giant sinkhole. And I mean, humongous fucking sinkhole that is right behind her house in the middle of the forest. And they pan out, and it has to be a good, like, maybe 500 feet in diameter. Maybe 1,000 feet in diameter. Maybe that's actually a lot more accurate. Because it's fucking huge, okay? And she's looking at it, and it's kind of like, did Chris, like, sink into it? And she starts kind of panicking, and that's when he shows up right behind her, and he realizes that he's done something wrong. Never run off me like that again, okay? I'm sorry. Me too. I know that Dad makes you sad. I love you too. Mum? What is that? Nothing. Come on, let's go home. Now, hearing this scene here, it showcases one of the things I really like about this film, and that's sound design. The feelings that you get by just listening to the sound makes me really interested in what's going on in the film. And it's one of those rare occasions where I can talk to you guys about something that you can actually, it's more about hearing than actually seeing. And it really does add emphasis to the scenes that you see in the film. They do a really good job of sound design. And when she looks back at the whole to say, well, it's nothing, there's that, like, 
kind of crowding noise and you can hear it within like the surround sound of your headphones however you're listening to this and it really feels like it's starting to kind of engulf you in that sound like almost you're going to be sinking to that sinkhole or that sinkhole already has some type of effect on her and this is constant this feeling of dread whenever you're watching certain scenes in this movie is just amplified by the excellent fucking sound design that this movie has it honestly is possibly could be my favorite thing about this movie it really enhances everything that's going on from the score to just the way that the sound moves in the background how it fades out how it like focuses in on the characters how everything maybe goes to nothingness except for kind of like this hum or like pressure that's kind of going on in the background it's something that you don't necessarily realize while you're watching those scenes but just by sitting there and listening to it it's absolutely brilliant and absolutely beautiful for the film so they go back into the house and we fade over to the next morning where she's waiting for him to be getting out of school once again and she sees that Christopher now is walking towards the car and he has nobody with him and he kind of gets into the jeep and he looks like he's sad kind of upset because of course they're in a new area and he needs to make new friends and he's hiding a piece of paper and she wants to know exactly what he's holding you gonna show me that should sign up. Might be a good way of making new friends. Don't want to make new friends. You know, when I was your age, I moved town once too. I was really scared about going to this new place where I'd never been before. But when I got there, my mom signed me up for the brownies. And before I knew it, I had a whole group of new friends. So maybe that might happen too if you sign up for this. Maybe. You'll settle in, sweetie. We're gonna be happy living here. I promise. So from here, it switches over, and we see that she's now with a, I guess, new group of friends, or maybe the friends that she's known before, and they just happen to live into this area. It's never really explained because it just kind of fades like directly from that to her sitting between two couples, and one of the guys is talking about how he almost beat up a guy, and it makes me wonder. What the fuck? Who the fuck is watching Chris? Like, how did you fucking show up here? Like, do they have kids of their own and you brought the kid with you and they're all playing in the fucking room? Like, there, he has fucking friends. You don't have to fucking worry about it. Or is he back at home, like, sitting in the dark by himself with the creepy fucking sinkhole way back there waiting to do something to him? Who the fuck knows? All I know is that she's sitting there. She's drinking fucking wine. She's not really enjoying herself. She looks like she's fucking spaced out and she's doing this just because she wants to have some sort of normalcy in her life and maybe meet some new people at the same time so they continue talking at the dinner table and somehow going from talking about almost punching a guy it ends up turning into a story about the lady that sarah almost run into earlier who they call walkie talkie for some reason car right and he puts his hand on the bottom right and i swear he's not going to budge an inch and he's glaring right at me and you can see he's Sounds just like walkie talkie mm-hmm. who's that walkie talkie this crazy old lady lives up in the hills near here near the bridge by your house you must have seen her by now oh yeah that's the woman you told me murdered a kid she didn't murder him no no 
tell the story. There's no story. No. Go on. Her son James was in my class, used to sit across from me in school. He was really nice, friendly, really into nature, I remember. He used to have um, ants in a pencil case under his desk. Anyway, when we were around eight, Noreen, Noreen Brady's her name, she came bursting into the classroom, out of control, screaming insane things about him. And it took three teachers to drag her into the principal's office and lock her in before the police came. Nobody knew what was wrong with her. He was taken out of school for a while and she went away to have her head fixed. And then a few months later... She got out, got a car and mowed the kid down. No, they, no, that's not what happened. It was an accident. It was an awful tragedy. The poor woman. So this is a weird story that just seems to come out of the middle of nowhere. So honestly, what we do find out later is that the lady that's talking right there, she's actually like a co-worker, whatever business that she's currently working in. Because it took me a long time to be like, what the fuck does this lady do? Like, how did she get out there? How did she afford the place? I assume that she was doing housework to stay, like, stay there. Like the fact that something happened back in, you know, wherever she was staying with the man that she was with that she needed to get away, somebody was nice enough to provide her a place to live, and that's just what's going on until she get back on her feet. Turns out that she actually works inside of the town, and this is one of the people that she does work with. So she's again trying to create some type of normalcy, and trying to have some type of friend base just like her son is, but it's honestly harder for us as we grow up versus the kids, because you're constantly around other kids at that time. So at least that's the way that I kind of view it, and the way that... I've kind of experienced it, you know, man, luckily I managed to be a part of a community that uh, has turned out to be, a, you know, meet some of the greatest people that you can possibly meet. So, nonetheless, they start talking about her and that their son uh, was just really odd. Like, there was something about him, he was really in tune with nature, like she said, he always like had ants in a pencil box under his desk. You know, normal little boys thing. Who didn't have, like, a pencil box full of ants or didn't collect spiders or, you know, weird stick bugs or, you know, false teeth from your grandma that she had sitting on her night desk? I mean, who didn't do those types of things? Sure as hell not me. So, she just, for some reason, she knew that that wasn't her kid and she created a big ruckus and then everything just kind of went on from there and we really don't know what the end of the story is other than the kid's dead because she possibly ran over him with a car but everybody seems to think it's an accident. So from there we go back over to the house and we see that Sarah is laying in bed but she gets up because she needs to use the restroom and she falls asleep taking the longest shit in the world on the toilet. Well, maybe she wasn't taking a shit, but she manages to fall asleep, and she wakes up when she hears Christopher crying while screaming out loud, and she goes to find him, and she can't. So she runs out into the forest, she actually cannot find him anywhere, goes back to the house and calls the emergency number, and then gets a very kind of shocking surprise. Emergency. Um, is, is this please? No, but I can connect you to the police. What's the emergency? It's my son. He's missing. Okay, what's your address, please? Uh, uh, there's, um, there's no number on the house. Tell me what town you're in. No, someone might have taken him. You're going to have to stay calm and tell me where you live if you want me to help you. Okay? Hello? Hello? Mummy? 
Where were you? Chris, where were you? Here. No, you weren't. Are you okay, Money? So, this is where things start to get kind of creepy with the kid, and you notice that things aren't quite right. Like, the biggest thing that you can hear right now is the way the kid is talking to Sarah, right? In the beginning, when you heard little bits of dialogue from him, he called her mom. It was mom, mom, mom. And then all of a sudden, right now, he's calling her mommy. And it's constantly mommy. Everything like that you hear from his mouth when he mentions his mom is mommy from now on. And so that kind of leads you to believe that something isn't quite right with him, but she doesn't seem to think that anything is wrong, so neither does the audience at this point, even though it is quite creepy that the kid would just randomly show up. Well, randomly show up after not being able to be found, and then shows up, it's just like, nope, nothing's happened. So because Sarah doesn't think anything's gone wrong, she goes ahead and puts him back to bed, and she goes back to bed herself. Only to the next morning to be woken up directly by her kid, who is randomly sitting at the foot of the bed, holding flowers that he picked from outside. Good morning, Mummy. Where did you get those? The garden. You know you're not supposed to go outside on your own. I wanted to surprise you. Let me see. They're beautiful. Thank you. So again, she doesn't really think that there's anything weird about what's happening in this situation, only the fact that he went outside without her permission and then picked up the flowers. And then she just is kind of like, oh, well, he's trying to do a nice gesture. Maybe it's because I was worried about him and I actually called somebody. And you know what? I didn't really talk about that. Like... What's up with the, I'm calling like an emergency line and it's not necessarily linking him to the police directly? Well, I guess maybe that's kind of the way that 911 works too. Like you call in and they just dispatch to whatever emergency situation that you need, whether it's fire or police or ambulance or whatever it is like that. And here he's just kind of like, well, if you really want police, I can connect you to the police. Uh, you know, what's going on? Rather than, okay, I'm going to send a police unit to your house or something like that. It's just kind of weird, I guess, maybe because it's not the way that I kind of imagine it going. And maybe everything's done over there differently. And that America isn't the center of the world. But then again, uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so... Nothing's really weird, and she's visited by a doctor the, a little bit later on in the morning because she has some pain. And then the doctor basically say, well, isn't there something else? And she's hiding with her hair this giant scar that she's got on top of her forehead. And the doctor asks where she got it, and she's like, oh, it was just an accident that happened a little while ago. And, you know, it still hurts a little bit and acts up now and then, but it's, it's perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. And the doctor is a little wary of what's possibly going on there. We then cut to the afternoon when she's once again picking up the kid and she manages to talk to him for just a second and finds out that there's some things that are, are a little odd about him because he, you know, all of a sudden is talking with a bunch of kids, which he wasn't doing earlier, and he seems like he's get along with them. She asks the name of the kids and then he says all the names and the one that strikes out to her is that he says the name Stuart. And she's like, wait, Stuart? Like... I thought you didn't like that kid. And then he looks over to her, he's like, I don't have to be friends with Stuart. And it doesn't really strike 
her as odd once again, but it kind of strikes the audience as odd because it's not a response that I would think that people would be like, you know, well, wait, what do you mean you don't have to be friends with him, right? You would think that, well, and even she says it honestly that, well, no, you don't have to be friends with everybody, but it does help to have friends, and then he seems like content with it. And it's just kind of weird because it's not like you tell your kids, hey, you should be friends with everybody. No, it's honestly like if you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. You don't have to be friends with them all the time. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You can just be friends with some people and you can be friends with other people or acquaintance with them. You could just be nice and cordial. Don't show them that you dislike them, right? So... It's just kind of a, but the way he says it, it's like he he is friends with, like, he's trying to, like, fit into a mold that maybe he was there. Like, he's supposed to be friends with everybody. And, wait, that's one person that I'm not friends with? It's kind of like a weird response to her question. So, they're driving around the road once again, and they run into the old lady who's standing there in the middle of the bridge, and she does, Sarah says to Christopher, hey, just go ahead and stay in the car, and then I'll handle this right away, to which something very odd happens. Stay here, okay? Excuse me. Can you move off the road, please? This is Brady. This is Brady. Sorry, she she likes to wander. I told her to keep to the side, but uh, she's not a great listener. Yes. Sarah. And what's the little man's name, eh? Why'd she get gone? She ever need anything. Thanks. lady freaks the fuck out right there she is looking in there once again she's kind of saying something in her breath but you can't really make out what exactly she's saying and she slowly walks over toward the towards the car her husband comes out and you know he's very nice and cordial and basically saying hey you know she's okay she just does some things weird sometimes don't worry she's not really gonna hurt anybody and that's when she turns on the car and she looks at chris inside and she automatically knows that's not your son and starts pounding on the window not only does she pound on the window but she then takes like a running start at the car and pounds her head almost trying to headbutt through the glass freaking out chris freaking out sarah and they drive off 
as her husband's basically holding her back there. We go back over to the house and we see that Sarah, she once again can't sleep. So she starts working on even more of the wallpaper, removing even more pieces of it from the walls. She decides to go out for a morning jog when she comes across a body that's laying in the ground that it looks like her head's actually been chopped off, but her head actually hasn't been. What it is is that her head has been buried in the ground. So it looks like, like when she's walking up, she sees somebody just kind of bending over and she's like, hey, is everything okay? And when she walks up, you see that the head is actually completely covered by dirt and is buried in the ground like she was an ostrich in like an old Looney Tunes cartoon. So after having the whole shock of what's going on, she then is approached by the police and have to give, basically sign off on a written statement that they repeat back to her. I then approached the woman. She was crouched down on the ground in front of her house. I thought she was looking for something, maybe something she had lost. But when I got closer, I saw that her head was buried in the ground. And I tried to dig it out. So while Sarah is listening to the police officer give the statement that she gave to him and making sure that everything is okay, she's looking over and she sees that Chris is arm wrestling with one of the other police officers over in the corner. And as he does, he keeps putting more and more pressure on the guy's arm until actually you see her arm, and this is in the trailer as well, kind of wish that it wasn't, but you see him actually snap the wrist of the police officer, which freaks her the fuck out, and she actually snaps back in, and then you see Chris is just playfully, like, playing with him, trying to, you know, push his arm down while the police officer is trying to get the rest of her statement. It's the first time when she really starts to think of that something might be going wrong with Chris, or something feels a little odd, even though it's, you know, nothing really has been said to her, or pretty much blank to her. It's all about, like, the fact that the lady there, she said that that's not her son. And that the fact that she was like pounding on the window and everything, and then she just happens to find her dead the next day. But other than that, it's really no big deal, right? Nothing really weird is kind of going on, other than the fact that he still fucking calls her mommy and not mom like he did at the beginning of the movie, and that would have been like the biggest red flag for me if I was her, unless, of course, sometime before he said it. But to us as the audience, he's never fucking said it until that point in the movie when all of a sudden he disappeared and all of a sudden he's back. So after the scene with the police, we see her take a shower, not like really take a shower, even though honestly she's really beautiful and I kind of would have liked to watch her take a shower, but it's not that type of movie. She has a wonderful fucking accent, which I would say probably now is actually the third thing I like so much in this film, uh, is her goddamn accent and her voice. Like, oh my god, I could see her just listening to this, like... It's absolutely captivating and beautiful, and it's almost giving me like a Jennifer Tilly, like tingling in my <laughs> nether regions or something like that. Um, but <laughs> it's honestly um, one of the sexiest accents to me in the world. So, nonetheless, I could gaga over her accent the entire time in this fucking thing, but I'm not gonna do it. Nope, 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 not gonna do that once again. So, we see her finish her shower, and then she goes over to the mirror, and there's a little bit of blood that's on the towel, and she looks up, and the scar that she has is actually bleeding some. It's kind of a weird, I kind of feel like it was like a hallucination or something like that. Turns out that it's just something that's happened, it's like basically bothering her. 
and she ends up waking up the next day going into work and we find out that she actually works in an antique store and that's where she's approached by one of her co-workers that's basically kind of asking her how everything's going after she experienced this weird kind of incident with that lady. So, how's your weekend? Fine. Must have been quite a shock, finding her like that. Is it true? The way she was? Sorry, I don't mean to probe. Sorry. It's just, it's so bizarre. I know. And how's Chris? Yeah, he's fine, thanks. Do you ever look at your kids and not recognise them? Yeah. Twins are usually hidden under a layer of shite. Or food, or both. And as for Saoirse, Jesus, it's all about the eyebrows these days. Not how they look, but how they are. Their personalities. Of course. They swing from monsters to angels and back again in the blink of an eye. You all right? Yeah. Just a funny few days. Now, see, this really starts to get me the way the film moves. Like, it feels like now, at this point at least, that this running time actually kind of hurts the film. Because I would like to kind of see more of her, like, kind of go into this weird, like, that's not really my son type of thing. Like, see more that would have led her to believe that, you know what, that actually isn't my son. Which it does over time. But the scene like this just seems to happen really, really fucking fast. Like, the moment that the lady comes out there, like, she hears the story. She One, she sees the sinkhole. That's like the first thing that's really weird. And she doesn't tell anybody about it. Like, it's something that's kind of weird that's there. I would almost kind of relate it to the stuff that she's been through. Like, everybody knows that something's happened to her, but she won't tell anybody what exactly it is. Like, she won't tell the doctor what's going on. She hasn't told the people that she knows that there what's really going on and why she's gone out there. And then here, there's a giant sinkhole in her backyard, which honestly... That probably could start sinking even more of the forest in and the whole area, but you're not really saying anything to anybody, but, like, wouldn't you be, like, the first thing that would be like, hey, you know, I went out into the forest behind my house, and there was a giant fucking sinkhole, like, is that normal? Like, is that okay? You know, do you guys know about this going on back here? There's a giant fucking sinkhole, does it... it does it stop? It honestly looks like it's moving, and even to her, when she looked at it, and I don't know if that was like a dizzying effect, or is it really actually moving, and maybe she should get the fuck out of there? I don't know, but she doesn't say anything to anybody. It's just like, you know what? It's there. I'm not going to worry about it until it swallows my house whole, and then I'm finally going to say something about it. But here with her kid, like the moment that the old lady, she goes and she does the whole thing of you're not like, that's not your kid, blah, 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 blah. Of course, that's not her kid. But, you know, he's like, that's not your boy. That's not your boy. Then all of a sudden she starts to question it, like right there and then. She doesn't question it any time before then. Except for there's little things that she's just kind of like, huh. And there's little facial expressions. I'm not saying that there isn't anything entirely but there's little things like she looks over and it really just is a quick like drop into this like little bucket right here. And, and it's really weird that it's at this point and this is really only about, I don't know, 
maybe 40 minutes into the movie, maybe less, maybe 30-something minutes. It's basically the end of Act 1, which happens to be the funeral of the old lady. That's kind of where everything ends up, but it's just really weird that it takes us only this long to get to that point, and that a film that had a little more time to grow in that aspect or take this scene when it finally does grow a little more and put it much later in the film towards the end of the second act rather than the kind of beginning of the second act though where it goes from here really does build upon so she decides that she is going to go and see the old lady's funeral uh, or wake or however it's done uh, and she actually has a conversation with the husband of what kind of went on with her and her kids Sarah. Sorry for your loss. I'm just glad you're at peace now. They wanted me to put a lid on, but she'll be in the dark long enough. You join me. Okay. Thanks. James, he uh, lost that tooth playing hurling. <laughs> he thought it a badge of honor. He's cute. He was. I remember the day he was born. Noreen said she finally understood what life was all about. We both did. Oh, did you get that same feeling when your little man was born? And what's his name? I didn't catch it last time we met. Christopher. Chris. She didn't mean him any harm, you know. Why did she say he wasn't my son? That's what Noreen did. Just after his eighth birthday, Noreen started to say that James was different. She saw tiny, insignificant things only Mother would notice. It was like little pebbles rolling. Down a hill, you know. Then you blink and it becomes a landslide. The specialist had some fancy name for whatever fuse that popped, but putting a label on it didn't make her any better. She was convinced. Of what? That he was an imposter. Wasn't our son. I suppose when she saw your Chris, it reminded her of our James. What happened to him? He was hit by a car. My car. Didn't see him dart out on the road. Well, here I am, eh? Maudlin is that bunch of professional mourners lurking out there. So, basically, like, his wife believed that her son wasn't the same because she had this inkling, like this feeling in her soul, kind of like what Sarah is talking about with Chris at this moment. And this is weirdly giving Sarah some type of like, I don't know, like confirmation for herself for what's going on with her son. Like, hey, okay, I'm starting to feel these things. And she kind of realized the same things as well. And, you know, it, you kind of hear that tragedy of that, the fact that, 
their son was killed and he believes it was an accident that she just didn't see him in the road and she just drove right into him but of course we learned earlier on in the film that it may have not been an accident and she might have just plowed down her son because she didn't believe it was actually her son and there's a weird coincidence that the moment that she recognizes who this person is that she ends up dead at the same time so I'm not sure what we're kind of led to believe here, but it's kind of like a reassurance for Sarah here that the feelings that she might be having, that her son might not actually be her son, she gets kind of verification of that because this actually happened in the same basically vicinity and with somebody else, just what's happening to her right now. And so she decides that when we fade back to the next day she's going out for a jog and she decides to go out for a jog in the forest and while she's in the forest all of a sudden she runs upon the chuck doll that chris was playing with constantly and so she grabs it she looks at it and she's perplexed of why it's out in the forest right now so she comes back over to the house and she's making chris dinner and chris is busy eating the dinner at the table and that's where she confronts him with why haven't you been playing with chuck you remember those beautiful flowers you picked for me in the garden? Yes. Have you been going anywhere else? No. Like the forest, maybe? No, Mummy. So how's Chuck doing? Haven't seen you play with him lately. He's still your favourite, right? Are you sure you haven't been going into the forest on your own? No, Mummy. Then how did he get out there? No more lies, Christopher. I'm not. Tell me the truth. I am. Tell me the truth. I am. Tell me the truth. I am. Stop lying to me. I'm not lying. I'm sorry, Mummy. So she basically catches him in a lie because the doll was out in the forest and he just is standing firm, standing strong like a little kid does when they're caught in a lie and they don't want to admit that they're lying. But the funny thing is, is that this kid has basically like superhuman strength and just slams the table across the room right into Sarah. And she just has this look on her face like she's in shock. And then he's like, oh, shit. I'm sorry, Mom. Um, I accidentally pushed a table across the room. I don't know what has happened. I must have gotten some of that targe strength and uh, managed to push the table across the room. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go now, off into the distance. And she's standing there and be like, oh my god, I can't believe he got that strength. Man, I'm still not sure if he's not my son or not. Man, I need to make sure that everything's confirmed. And so she wakes up in the middle of the night because she hears more noises. And she thinks that maybe it's something to do like with the medication that she's taking. That basically she was given by the doctor that was going to help her sleep. And so she wakes up and she thinks once again she's hallucinating. Because when she looks under the door, she sees a spider like running across the room. And then she sees his hand and... This is the the second thing I love the best. It's not necessarily the sound design, but these moments in this film made me so energetic while I was watching it. The problem is, is a scene like that happened before. 
I'm totally, I'm like into it. Like, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not like totally like enamored with the scene. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. Oh, when he pushes the table, oh, that's surprising. But it's such a slow buildup. Again, it just feels like it's so slow. But then when there isn't dialogue, it's some of the best fucking suspense that I have seen in the longest fucking time. It, I'm just on the edge of my seat. I'm fucking excited while I'm watching this scene. Oh my god, like, and I'm sitting in just my living room, you know, it's not inside of a theater. I just can't imagine if I saw this in a theater, I would be so fucking pumped. But I go from one scene of not being that pumped to being super pumped. And it's a combination of both the way the scene is shot and the sound. The sound is, like I said, that's my number one thing in this film. But the way that these little suspenseful, tension-filled scenes are done... They're done so well that it carries me through the rest of the film. So she's sitting there, well, standing there in the hallway, and she starts hearing the noises, and so she leans down and looks under the door, and that's when you see a spider run by. And we already know that he is fucking shit scared of spiders, right? He's crystal soulless level of scared of spiders. That all of a sudden, we see his hand just come down onto the ta- onto the ground, and then he's doing this weird walk with his hands and it's so fucking creepy in the way that it looks it looks like he's walking like a bug or even like a spider with his hands and then it just reaches super fast grabs the spider and the next scene that we've seen is her looking through the keyhole and then he is just chomping down on that spider it's in the corner of his mouth and he's swallowing it in and she is just getting this look on her face that she is mortified and it's intensifying to the point that you know he starts hearing her because she just makes a little bit of noise in the hallway as she's trying to get away which causes him to come out of his room searching after him and the kid does such an excellent job of just being super fucking creepy especially in a scene like this mommy chris where are you in bed, why? Good night, Mommy. Good night, sweetie. Oh, it's just fucking delectable right there. Like, I could eat that shit up all fucking day. The sound on that, just the thumps as he's, like, saying her name. And you're just seeing her, and she's, like, against the wall. She's, like, shaking. And she's just trying to keep her voice as calm as possible. Even though you can see that she's scared out of her fucking mind because she doesn't know what she fucking saw. The fact that he just started eating that fucking spider and it freaked the living shit out of her. And what he could possibly be. This is when she finally is like, I really don't think that that kid is my son. Like it's taken this long. And this is the point that even then that earlier scene when she asked that question, I would have been like, that's where you would put something like this. Be like, man, I just went through it and this is really freaking me out. 
and I really don't think that this is my son. Like, that's where I would would have put that. Instead, I think it would have been so much more powerful to have that at this particular moment in the movie rather than having it a little earlier. I mean, it still kind of works there, even with the progression of the movie, but I think that maybe in, like, this guy's personal opinion, that I would have put it, like, right at this moment because she has that, like, feeling of fear and dread here and the fact that she really truly believes at this point that that's actually not her son. So the next day she calls in the doctor to basically run him through and have a look at everything that's going on with him and there's just something that she believes isn't right about Chris. Dig deep one. And out. It's not the most unusual thing I've heard of a kid eating. Yeah, but usually he's petrified of them. There's something not right with him lately. I can't put my finger on it, but I know. I just know he's not himself. And how are you feeling? Is the medication helping? May I ask you a personal question? Yeah. Chris's father, is he around? And that scar on your head? Was it actually an accident, Sarah? So the doctor, again, he's alluding to something that happened with the father. And maybe what she's kind of experiencing right now has something to do with that. Maybe the kid is bringing something upon her. And it's like, well, you know, it's not that unusual for a kid to eat something like a spider. Actually, it's kind of unusual. But nonetheless, like, she... He, she just can't believe that, you know, once again, she's not exactly saying the truth, but she's really can't believe that this is actually her kid. So when she goes back to her job the next day, working in some type of like general store or antique store, I never quite got on what it was, but she manages to buy a camera from them that she decides she's going to set up inside of Chris's room. And while Chris is eating dinner one of the nights, she goes into the room and actually finds a place or tries to find one. And I think... Geez, I mean, I've seen all these different types of movies before. Wouldn't you get, like, a teddy cam rather than just a standard digital camera or something like that? Like, the kids gotta know that something is in there and something's gonna be wrong, right? I mean, kids today aren't that fucking stupid, but I don't know when this movie exactly is set. If it's set in current day, if it's set a couple years ago, who the fuck knows? But she does find, a like, a brick part of the wall which is really weird because it's kind of out of place, out of the rest of the room, which seems to be perfectly wood. But then again, I don't know how old this building is, but nonetheless, she sets up the camera in one of the rooms and, like, puts it and hides it behind the brick. And that's when Chris randomly shows up and is like, well, what are you doing, mommy? And she's like, I'm... Oh, doing laundry, laundry, yeah, laundry, okay. Yeah, I'm just making sure I'm getting everything over here. I'm getting all your shirts, and I'm getting your pants, and I'm getting that one sock that's completely soft. 
I mean, I'm just getting the rest of your clothes here, and I, yeah, I'm going to totally do washing, which honestly is a pretty good excuse when you think about it, because that kid is probably going to be like, oh, okay, I get it, you do laundry all the time, but I probably should have heard, like, hid my Joe sock or something like that, but nonetheless, uh, you go ahead, do laundry, it makes total sense, so she goes back downstairs, and she has another conversation with Chris, and this is another one of those situations that's really weird. She basically says to him, look, I'm sorry if I've been acting weird lately. You know, you just, when you become an adult, things kind of get weird. And then, you know, she, all of a sudden, he, like, she gets closer to him. She's looking at these loving eyes. And then he reaches over and he moves her hair to where the scar is. And he starts looking at the scar. And then he starts, like, tearing it open with his fingers. And she starts screaming. And then she wakes up because she's having another weird dream. I really like that scene as well, even if it turns out to be a dream, which I, I honestly don't like. Uh, but here, I feel like it really does work, and it's just kind of showing, like, is she being mad or is actually what she's experiencing real? Uh, she can't tell what's going on in the real world because it feels so, like, vivid that these things are happening. Like, the extreme violence things are happening when she's, like, daydreaming or regular dreaming. Not exactly what's happening in her life. It, with the exception of the fact that he pushes back the table at that one point in the film. So she decides after she's had this little creepy little dream to go check in on Chris and we see that he's either getting ready but he's like brushing his hair and he's being extremely creepy. scrapes you hear is him combing his hair and it's just real like it's really up close and just the way the kid is doing his scales and it's just so well done and creepy like as you're watching it that man they really chose a good child actor to portray Chris in this state like I don't know many child actors that can do this well but he is absolutely amazing at doing this type of role. And it's really weird because this film makes me think of a film that we saw last year, or maybe it was sometime this year, which was The Prodigy, where I felt like that film really felt like really off in terms of what was going on and the whole, oh, dead guy is possessing this kid and is slowly going to become him, blah, 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 blah. Like, it felt really stupid. Where this one, it doesn't feel stupid at all. It feels, like, natural and it feels genuinely creepy. And I wish that what was being done in this film was done in that film. That's another film, maybe for another time, that we can talk about. Actually, there is a video on my YouTube channel about it. But it's one of those films where I feel like the way that that got done, like they tried to be a little more generic about it. And this film really got the creepiness of the kid right in comparison. So they go off from here. He's actually getting ready for a school play and they're singing a funny little song. But when you listen to it, it kind of sounds like they're singing about the sinkhole in some weird way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Branch on the tree, and the tree in the hole, and the hole in the bog, and the bog down in the valley. So that got really fucking dark really fucking fast. And just the way that the kid is looking at it, like, goes from all the kids, like, happy, singing, doing their little cheesy fucking routine where they're just moving back and forth and clapping their hands and doing some weird movements like they're doing the Macarena on fucking stage or some bullshit like that, to it's just like the kids disappear and he's just staring her down and he's got this sullen face and like his hair is even feels like it's changed a little bit and his voice begins to change get deeper like he's gone through fucking puberty or something at this age and it's just them in the room her sitting there him looking at her her looking at him and it's fucking just creepy as fuck I mean, again, it's really fucking well done. And then the next scene is her running away in slow motion and her going into one of the classrooms. And she's once again approached by her friend uh, who asks her what the hell is going on. Sarah. Are you alright? Sarah. He's not my son. Chris. Whose son is he? I don't know, but it's not Chris, it's not him. I don't know what you mean. I know I sound crazy, but if it was yours, you would know. Okay. Let's go for a walk. Sarah, let's get some air. Did you see me? Mummy? What's wrong? Wasn't he brilliant? Sarah. You okay, Miss Olivia? No. Mommy! Okay, so I know it's not meant to be like that, but the way that she runs away is really fucking funny. <laughs> It's so ridiculous the way that she looks. Like, she kind of, like, compacts herself in. And, like, those people that, like, run... I don't know. They, she runs really funny. I, I don't don't know how to really, ex, like, explain it. Like, she puts her elbows closer to her body. And then her arms in front of her. And she's running like a T-Rex would run. Like, really, like, skirtering really fast along the thing. Or, you know, I, I just don't know. You have to see it. I think it's really fucking hilarious. And the fact the kid's just like, Mommy? <laughs> she's, like, it's fucking Roadrunner running away from the, the wolf here. Uh, and she runs back into the house and she goes right to the camera. And there's something on the camera that she sees that she doesn't really like, <laughs> like 
to see and it almost confirms the fact that it isn't her son. So she goes and sees the old lady's husband and basically tries to get more information from him because she believes she saw exactly what she saw. I've seen myself grow old from too many angles. Even after 30 years, she still checked me every day. Check you for what? That I was still me. The mirror always tells the truth. That's what you say. I need to show you something. What was wrong with James? I think it's happening to Chris. There was nothing wrong with James. Please, just look at it. Please. Do you see it? That can't be my son. Tell me you see him. Tell me. I'm sorry. I can't see anything. Noreen was right. Enough. He wasn't your son. Enough. Chris isn't Chris and James wasn't James. Enough! Then tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm crazy. Tell me. So basically what she finds out from him is that she, you see this is completely littered in the room that they're in, that there's a bunch of mirrors on the wall. And that's kind of what he's talking about. The fact that the mirrors is what she believes she used to determine whether or not that was still her son or and even with him, that she believed that he may have not been him and that the mirrors never fucking lied. So... All the life that he lived with her, he had to deal with the fact that she basically, you know, was checking in on him every day and making sure that he was a real person. And I guess that he must have been because she never tried to fucking kill him or run him over with a fucking car. And he managed to survive just fine. With her, she's showing him the video of what's going on because she really believes this is not her son and the video proves it, and I like the line, I think he's like, no, no, I'm done with this stuff, and, you know, you, whatever, and she's like, just tell me that I'm fucking crazy, and he's like, I can't, because it's true, but he can't tell her, because he knows that it's real as much as he just wants her to fucking lay off of it, and let's not worry about it, and don't deal with it again, he just, he's done with it because he's lived with it for so long. But the honest truth is she's not fucking crazy and that something is going wrong with her kid. Back at the house, she tries to take the SD card out of the camera because the dude, he totally smashed everything and she can't watch it again. So she's trying to find a way to watch it. And that's when Chris shows up. Mommy. Why did you run away from me at school? I wasn't feeling too good. Do you feel better now? Yeah. Much. You won't run away on me again, will you? No. 
I don't like being left on my own. You hungry? I'll make your favorite. Now that she's back to the house and we see Chris has been dropped off or Chris just magically managed to make it there on his own. Like he's like, look, mama left me here. She's not coming back to pick me up. I'm just going to have to show up back at the house. And she basically apologizes. Look, mama's being kind of crazy. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to make you your favorite dinner, which happens to be spaghetti, which we know is probably not his favorite because he spent so much time just like playing around and not eating it. And he was putting a ton of the powdered cheese on it, which she knows he does not like. So she takes her medication that's supposed to knock, you know, her out crushes a bunch of it into the either the powdered cheese which i think is where it went uh or the spaghetti and the kid basically eats everything he's sitting on the couch and watching tv whatever he's watching before he was watching betty boop which i thought was really progressive and cool but <laughs> the fact that we don't know what he's watching this time because we're trying to pay attention to see if the medication is actually kicking in and she decides to do one last test to make sure for certain that that is not her son you know what we haven't played in a while our game our favorite three Two. One. You're not my son. You're not Chris. You're not my son. You're not my son. You're not my son. What's wrong with you, mommy? You're not my son. So finally now she's come to that realization. Well, she kind of realized it before, but the game confirmed the fact that that really isn't her son. And, you know, Chris, or whatever he is, Chris's doppelganger, he is just like fucking pissed off. And he approaches her, she tries to run away, and then he picks her up and just fucking yeets her across the room, throws her into another side, and then throws her back the other way, and drags her ass outside of the house, and begins digging a hole in the ground to stuff her head in, meaning that Chris is doppelganger here, he's the one that killed the old lady because the old lady was right, and recognize the fact that that's not really her son. He's a doppelganger and he needs to be fucking destroyed or whatever. And she's got to be able to find her kid again. So basically the old lady died because he got found out. You know, snitches get stitches. I guess that's the way that it fucking goes. So he, since she's also figured out that that's not her son, he goes and drags her out there and he puts her head in the ground. And as he's putting all the dirt on top of her head and he's going to leave her exactly like he left the old lady, suddenly the pills finally kick in like some type of deus ex machina type thing and he knocks the fuck out and she's able to get her ass out of the ground it looks like she might have already been killed and suffocated but actually she survived she fucking saws him by putting him in the ground uh well underneath the house inside of whatever area that they're in and there's this weird like 
This is probably the scene that I did not like at all. And I don't know if it's because it would have showed them fighting back and forth. But she really brings him back underneath the house. And it really honestly looks like it belongs in a Saw film. The way that the colors are designed. The way the flashing lights are. The fact that she might actually be trying to torture him and figuring out where her son is. But she, they have like a fight between him being the doppelganger and her, you know... But he still looks like Chris. It's not like he's changed it to a monster or anything just at this time. But it's blinking so much and it's so hard to make out what's going on. All we know is that he flies at her at one point. And he, they crash into a wall. But she ultimately knocks him out and then locks him into the basement. I bet she probably left him down there with a fucking hacksaw that, you know, was requiring him to take off his own leg to be able to get out of there or something. Or maybe he put she put the, uh, you know... Uh, key that belongs to that lock inside somebody's stomach acid she managed to get a sheep from outside and he has to be able to dig inside that live sheep before he can fucking escape i don't fucking know she's the new fucking jigsaw in this fucking irish world maybe that's what the new saw franchise will be about some lady that's like kidnapping kids and forcing them to go through little saw things but they're doppelgangers so it's okay you know they're not real kids and now, scrap it. I don't want to give anybody ideas from here on out. So, she goes in the forest and she realized the sinkhole has something to do with it. How she does, I really don't know. The only way that I can kind of figure it out is because everything happened to the old lady. It happened to her in the same fucking area. So, that must have something to do with it. And the fact that, you know, the toy was found near the sinkhole as well. So, her son must be inside there. So she gets a, a flashlight and she allows herself to go inside of the sinkhole, which takes her into these underground set of caverns. She goes inside the caverns and eventually she crawls through and she does find her son and is able to rescue him, but not before being confronted with all of the doppelgangers. And I have to say, they don't look bad. And this is really only the only piece of CGI that is used in the the whole movie. And they don't look that bad. They got these weird, like, alien-like faces that aren't really folded, and they really don't have any mouths, but they can fucking yell like a motherfucker. It's just really odd, but I think it's a good choice. I really do like the design of them. So they begin chasing after her, and she begins running away with her son, and right before she's about to get out, she gets grabbed by one of the doppelgangers and she turns around and it looks exactly like her and it's holding on to her. And so she takes the flashlight and she just starts beating the shit out of it. And then the next scene that we see, she's getting out of the ground with her son. And so they've now survived. They go back over to the house. And this was the scene that I wasn't sure I wanted to grab any audio from. And it was her coming back to the house and we hear this... And then you hear the doppelganger say, Mommy, Mommy, let me out, Mommy, Mommy. And while he's like trying to pull and trying to get out of there, and she sets the whole fucker on fire and drives away. We then go ahead and cut to some undisclosed time later. She's inside of a class at a university, and she's listening to people talk. There's really no dialogue. Then we see her walking towards what I guess is her now like home, her apartment, her condo. In this place and she's looking down upon Chris who's riding his bike on the outside and she takes her camera and she starts snapping images of him and when she looks at that she sees all the images of him is going around and you look at one image of his face and it's like kind of blurred but I don't know if that means that he's like 
a doppelganger or not but she looks she kind of smiles and then you get a pan out of the apartment and there are mirrors everywhere along the walls and everything like that which means that her son is back to normal and she's keeping tabs on him and making sure that he's no longer a doppelganger just like the old lady did earlier on on her husband with all the mirrors throughout the house the camera fades away you you get the whole room you see how many mirrors she has in the whole place and then it fades to black and you get the ending theme of the movie there was an old woman who lived in the woods a wheel there was an old woman who lived in the woods down by the river She had a baby three months old. She had a baby three months old. Down by the river She had a penknife long and sharp. And that was The Hole in the Ground. Now, this movie is kind of dis- divisive when you look at the reviews for it. If you look at just something like Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 89% based on 65 reviews. And its mega- Metacritic aggregate is a 63 out of 100 based on only 16 reviews. Why there's so many more on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't know. But I think that the guys on Rotten Tomatoes are a little closer to what the movie actually is. Maybe somewhere in between. Um, Some people, like the one quote that kind of got me was this, The hole in the ground arguably exploits parental fears with a well-made horror outing that makes up in sure effectiveness what it lacks in originality. Now, honestly, I think that the originality thing is kind of true. I think it's a little different than what I guess I was expecting. And when you listen to the BTV episode, they do talk about The Changeling, I believe, was the movie that they paired with it, um, which is very similar to what you've got here. Um, And I'm kind of like torn on that. I'm really torn about this movie because there's things that I really, really do like. And the story is kind of a throwaway. Like I said, I feel like there could have been some choices that could have been changed a little bit. And there was the one real freak out thing when she really was getting into the mouth of madness in that the fact that she was realizing truly that that wasn't her son. So, you know, it, it kind of fits that type of mold. And I don't know if I want to say that the story hasn't been done before, but I feel like there was something that did feel a little more original about this. And maybe it was the fact that I felt that the kid was so much better acted than in other movies I had seen recently with a similar type of plot. Uh, the fact that the suspense in this film kept me like pumping myself up every time that I was watching those parts of the movies. But then the scenes when people were just talking, when we just were getting dialogue, I honestly felt at times... They were really slow and boring. 
Like, I know what they're talking about, but there just was some cadence with our main actress where, as much as I loved her accent and I could fucking make love to it all the time, um, it still just felt like nothing until the very end of the movie that there was nothing really special about what was happening or like that the changes she really believed like she was kind of bored the entire time that she was doing it and so honestly i was kind of bored at the same time so it made it very weird for me when i was like you know the big important parts of the movie i was bored with but the suspense stuff like i got so energized and i was wide awake and i was really fucking enjoying watching this and this is one of those movies where i had to watch it really late at night and i was really worried oh god am i gonna fall asleep during this and it turns out that you know what the last 20 minutes are really intense and honestly i don't give it enough of a description it's really straightforward honestly but it goes on for so long and the whole like crawling through the cave and looking at everything i wish it was a little lighter but at the same time it's very suspenseful is she gonna find him how does she find him is she gonna run into those things or or is there more than one of them we don't know until she actually does find her son and then there's a whole fucking colony of them and she's just like i'm gonna burn down this house and i'm gonna burn the whole fucking forest down why fuck not like, it's just crazy. I really wish that there was a little bit more of that or that there was... The movie, honestly, was a little bit longer to give more, like, info about other parts of the film or to expand upon certain parts of the film. Like, I really wish, like, her, like, parental fears had been better explored and, like, her kind of slowly like fingering like maybe the little creepy things like what happened with him when he ate the spider like if there was something else like that other than the fact that he says mommy and still a mom but that kid is something fucking special like he was genuinely creepy and he really did add to the atmosphere of the film so if i have to give this film a rating which you know i'm doing like i always say if i have to uh i do <laughs> so if if i'm going to give this film rating for the gore i'm gonna give it a two out of five because the two scenes that they had the wrist breaking scene was pretty gruesome uh, and then when he was digging into her head, that was pretty gruesome too. So a two out of five seems about right to give on to. There's nothing super gory. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of suspense in this movie, and when it's there, it hits hard. Um, the crap factor of the film, I'm also going to give a 2 out of 5. I think it was acted relatively well. I think it was a little short in parts. Uh, and I think that it sucks that the dialogue parts I felt were really slow in comparison to the other parts of the film. And that's why I'm giving the fun factor a 3 out of 5. Like, it could have been a little better. It could have been a little quicker in terms of some of the dialogue that went through and the pace with the characters. But the suspenseful parts of the film were really well done and they kept me on the edge of my seat like I literally perked up and I was watching it wide wide awake when everything like that like began to happen the ending the last 20 minutes the film like honestly it's a minute and one something that the piece of dialogue where like she's telling him that that's not you're not my son to where the movie ends it's like 20 minutes long and there's a lot of stuff going on there and i wish that fight between them or when she was wrestling with them would have been better seen but i guess maybe they can't show a kid getting his ass kicked or something like that or they didn't want to make it a doll or put it in cgi or where the fuck they were doing so 
um, you know, that's why I'm giving it a fun factor of three out of five. I think that those scenes are really well done and it's worth your time to see it. So overall, I'm going to give this three out of five wrist snaps. Like I said, I think everybody should at least watch it once. If you find that you listen to this and that you're interested in it, please go watch it because I think those types of scenes are worth it. But your mileage may vary. Honestly, like some people have said, the, you know, story is kind of generic, I guess you could say. Kid gets taken over by a doppelganger and the mom has to figure out if it's her son. Okay. But I think there's something a little deeper going on there. There's a lot that's going on between, you know, I wish they explore the whole thing that if the father's abusing her and how that's affecting her relationship with her son, like that could have gone. And that also kind of, they hinted at it that part of the, oh, well, he's just acting weird is because of this, not because he's not my son. Uh, and I wish they explored that a little bit, like her just being like, okay, he's being weird, but maybe that's what happens when dad's not around because dad beats mom. You know, it's one of those things that's odd, but I think it could be very pertinent to the plot and what they're trying to convey. Um, it's very well written. It's very well directed. Uh, like I said, those fucking scenes of suspense are really good and they're really good at being creepy but the sound design of this movie is what takes the fucking cake it's absolutely amazing it makes the mediocre scenes even better um and even makes some of the dialogue in some of those slower scenes as they escalate you really get it with the sounds that are coming out uh from the audio team and they deserve all the praise in the world for this film so it's something i do recommend if you're really interested after you listen to this podcast Go and watch it. It's available on Amazon Prime. Like I said, the last 20 minutes, it's all just kind of like action suspense. um, And it's really well done. And the ending is kind of open-ended because it seems like he's gone back to normal. And it seems like she's satisfied satisfied with everything. Satisfied? What the fuck? Um, (laughs) That one's staying in. Uh, And so, but it's still kind of like maybe she isn't. Who knows? I don't know, um, but it's still left open to interpretation. So with that being said, what is the next film that we're going to do? Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a, a slight right when I'm doing this, and we're going to do a little bit of a shorter film. We're going to do a short film for the first time, and I'm hoping to get a friend to come along with me, and we'll see if that happens, because we are going to talk about the one and only Skeleton Cop. Break it. This just in. Hero cop found murder. Skeleton cop! You're a disgrace to the uniform! You two are gonna square up. Partners! Buy the book, Boy Scout? A loose cannon? What can go wrong? So the ninjas are in the bootlegging and copyright trade. You guys think you're big bad cops?
So this was something on Kickstarter that I supported a while ago, and they finally released the video for everybody. DVDs hasn't really come in, but they did get everybody a digital copy, so I've got a digital copy of the film. I believe a like kind of compressed version of the film is available on YouTube if you really want to watch it. Uh, and like I said, I hope to bring a friend along with me because we need to talk about it. And he is one of the uh, quote-unquote stars of the film, so I'd love to see if I can figure out a time to make sure that we can bring it together and we could talk about Skeleton Cop. It is a pretty wild film, um, and it's something that if you're able to see it before, please give it a watch because I believe it's going to be very, very fun to talk about, and I hope that uh, our special guest is able to join us for the talk for that film. So, uh, again, you can find it on YouTube, or if you're one of the backers, you can find the video, or if for some reason you can't find the video, um, you know, I might be able to help you out with that, uh, but you just have to talk to me uh, about getting, uh, you know, where you'd be able to watch it, or maybe we can do something uh, if I can ever figure out how to do it, we could do a group watch on something like Twitch or something like that. So we can all watch it once together after, maybe after I've done like a, an analytical version of watching it or something. Pick a date and a time and I'll figure out how to get it out to everybody and we can all watch it together. So with that being said, um, I do want to give again a shout out to the Beyond the Void podcast. Uh, for them, go listen to their episode where they have a hole in the ground. And I believe that Changeling is the other movie that's on that episode. So um, you can listen to both. Those guys are always entertaining. I really enjoy listening to Brittany and to listening to Alex go through things. Hopefully one day my grave plot movie will get picked one of these days. Um, and I'll be able to hear them talk about my film. Uh, at least where you put in a title, they pick it from a skull, and then they basically build a movie around that. Those are always really entertaining, and I think that's the one that's going to be released uh, this coming week. So go check it out, even though I think Britney's not going to be involved in that one. So, um, again, a lot of love for those guys. They've always showed me a lot of love as well, so go and check out that podcast. They're available on YouTube, on uh, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Beyond the Void on Facebook, BTV Podcast, I believe, on Twitter. I could be totally wrong about that because <laughs> I'm not looking at anything that would tell me. You'd think I'd have, like, notes or something that I would do at this point because I've done this for so goddamn long. Um, but, yeah, go ahead, check them out, and uh, tell them that I sent you. So, with that being said, of course, you can always follow the podcast on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, uh, Terrible Terror Podcast on Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast on YouTube, where you can find a bunch of car reviews, including one for The Prodigy, which I talked about earlier, and there should be one that's up late <laughs> of Detected Pikachu uh, that you can look and see us talk about that silly film. So, with that being said, rate and review us on all the little things and I'll catch you next time with Skeleton Cop. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.